Hello everyone and welcome to the Going Up Cast, the weekly feel-good podcast with music, wizarding hijinks, D&D how-tos, and a wonderful show for you all to watch. My name is Andrew Logan and let's dive right into it. So this week is a much shorter episode than last week's was, and I'm sure many of you will be happy for that. We do cover quite a bit in this week's episode, however, I make good use of the time. We have two brand new songs of the week, including a song that I have personally been waiting for its release for almost a year now. We talk about the brand new Harry Potter chapters that are going to be landing this Thursday, and I go into detail regarding how to go about character creation in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I also wrap up this week's podcast by talking about one of my all-time favorite TV shows, which I have recently finished watching for the first time. I will let us get right into it with no more dilly and dallying. Here are the songs of the week. For this week's songs of the week, I have a song that means an awful lot to me ever since I saw it performed live in 2017 at the Paramount Theater and a song that I heard a heavy metal cover of just the other day and was like oh yeah I remember the song this is a good song so let's talk about uh the good the good song heavy metal song good good song first uh because I want to spend a lot of time talking about the second song so this week's song of the week uh is by Belinda Carlisle, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, she was the former lead singer of the band The Go-Go's. And this was her number one hit from September 18th, 1987 off the album Heaven on Earth. That is right. This song is called Heaven is a Place on Earth. It's it's your amazing classic 80s power ballad, which I'm a huge sucker for. I love me some 80s power ballads. Uh, they are some of my all-time favorite songs just like like type of song you know there's a lot of great power ballads and uh this is a really good one um she is uh, a phenomenal singer songwriter in her own right the go-go's were famous for being an all-female band who actually wrote and played all their own instruments and they wrote all their own songs um it's it's phenomenal uh it's actually you know they got some good songs you know they're pretty 80s they're pretty poppy but the go-go's they were very important for musical history. Very important. Uh, Linda Carlisle later went on to have a very successful solo career, including this song. Here's a little bit of it. It's actually pretty interesting. Later on, uh, Belinda Carlisle came out with an album called... What was it called? It's very recent. Uh, it was called Wilder Shores. It came out of uh, in September of 2017. And it features an acoustic cover version of uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth as, as the final song. Oh, baby, do you know that's why? But the majority of the album is actually comprised of, I'm going to butcher this, um, it, it's a series of uh, Seek Chants, 
um, performed by Carlisle in, oh boy, um, Gurmuki. Gurmuki, uh, it's a uh, Sikh script modified, standardized, and used by the second uh, Sikh guru, Guru Angad, uh, from Jesus. Um, but basically, it's a, it's a wonderful kind of um, almost uh, world music album of a bunch of a of a bunch of songs performed um, very beautifully. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed that one as well. So she is clearly of many talents, and it's it's impressive. It's very impressive. The second song I saw performed live in 2017 by one of my all-time favorite bands, Ninja Sex Party. If you've been around on the internet at all in the last two weeks, you probably saw a video of this somewhere when it was the number one video on uh, trending on YouTube, which was awesome possum for these guys. Danny Don't You Know, which is, I believe, going to be the final single for Cool Patrol, which comes out later this year in August. This is a song about self-love, about that letter you write to your past self, telling him like, hey, it's gonna be great, you just gotta give it time. It's it's a wonderful song. Um, I've heard it probably around a hundred times since it came out, and in, in recording this, it's been like four days. Um, it's on you. It's on uh, Spotify now. So I've just been looping it just over and over again. I saw the YouTube video for like four hours. It's it's a great song. It's it's jumped right up the list to one of my all time favorites. Um, it's all about believing in yourself and how we're all rad as fuck on the inside, which is such a great it's such a great phrase. But here's here's a little bit of Danny, don't you know? kind of it's kind of interesting to me the song is amazing and i i know it's a comedy band but whoo that's just that's just a legitimately great song that's just some good good ass tunage right there if you got a song you want to suggest for song of the week please feel free to reach out at goingupcast at gmail.com or on the contact page at goingupcast.com or you could tweet me or you could send me a letter um i don't have a p.o box but just write a song of the week down in an envelope and Stick in the mailbox like Santa Claus and see what happens. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the next thing. For this week's Harry Potter chapters... Oh, uh, before we get into it, I want to quickly apologize for the delay on releasing last week's Harry Potter's chapters. Completely slipped my mind. It, uh, like, it was Friday afternoon when I was like, Oh, shiz, I should upload the chapters. And I forgot. And I didn't then. They're up now, but... And they weren't up when they were supposed to be. So I apologize for that. Uh, I will I will endeavor not to let that happen ever, ever, ever again. Anyway, this week we got three more chapters. We're really getting close to the end of the book on this one, gang. We only got five left. So the next three include Nicholas Flamel, chapter 13, chapter 14, Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, and chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. This is a good bunch of chapters. A lot of good stuff happens here. Mostly plot progression in terms of the grander story of the Sorcerer's Stone uh, occurs within these chapters, within this area. So I'm I'm pretty excited about the uh, the snippet for this week's chapters. 
Naturally, my favorite moment from these chapters comes from the sheer stupidity of the trio. I think you'll find, as you listen to my Harry Potter readings, uh, especially as the books go on, that um, I get a bit more jaded, and my my patience for the idiocy of the characters in these books uh, wanes thin quickly and often. And one of the greatest moments, in my opinion, of, uh, of my, my temper snapping occurs in Norbert the Norwegian Ridgebox chapter. Uh, right there at the end, right there at the tail end of the chapter, I go on one of my all-time uh, fav- favorite uh, little little rants. So here it is. They slip back down the spiral staircase, their lights as hard as their hands. Now that Norbert was off them, no more dragon, Malfoy in detention. What the hell could go wrong? The answer to that was waiting at the foot of the stairs. As they stepped into the corridor, Filch's face suddenly loomed out of the darkness. Well, 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 he whispered. We are in trouble. They left the invisibility cloak on the top of the tower. Because they're fucking stupid! Come on! You just snuckily, sneakily made your way across the school in an invisibility cloak, and you leave it at the top of the tower? Kids, come on! Like, it's super important! (sighs) Kids are frustrating. God, it's like watching Jurassic Park. Three new Harry Potter chapters uploaded every week, as long as I don't forget them. And next week, we will be finishing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and beginning Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I am very much looking forward to it. There is some great gags in Chamber of Secrets and quite possibly the funniest thing I've ever said in an audiobook to date. Uh, occurs in in chapter two. Not going to tell you what it is, but believe me, you'll know it when you hear it. Let's move on to the next thing. All right, back to the D and D slog. You've got you got your party. You got your friends together. You're all set to dive in to the wonderful world of magic that D and D provides. But you don't know. How to make a character. Now, there are a lot of great resources to help you make a character. Number one, first and foremost, you gotta get a copy of the Player's Handbook. This is a book that is worth its weight in gold for when it comes to playing D&D. It has everything you need. It's got the core races, classic things like elves, half-elves, halflings, gnomes, humans, half-orcs, dwarves, tieflings, others... Um, it's got all those just right in there, easy to flip through. It even got some subtle variations, like for example, dwarves. You could be a mountain dwarf or you could be a hill dwarf. And both of those have different connotations in terms of racial abilities. And then it's got the core group of classes. Classic things like the fighter, it's got the bard, it's got your clerics, your paladins, your druids, your rangers, your warlocks, your wizards, your sorcerers, your etc. It's got all of those right in there. It's really straightforward and simple. If you don't know how to make a character, the book will basically tell you straight up your preferred stats in order to be competent at whichever class you choose. It tells you everything you need to know right there. All you need to do is just follow the instructions. It's pretty simple. But let's say uh, you've played D&D a couple of times before and the player's handbook isn't fresh. It's not providing you enough alternate ideas. Unfortunately for you, Wizards of the Coast has become quite prolific at pumping out a lot of D&D text 
And so there are a lot of great areas you can go for some alternate ideas. Some of the uh, side books, including, I believe it is the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, um, have a couple of unique races to them, like the Goliath or the Aarakocrin, who are giant bird people. Xanathar's Guide is amazing for alternate class paths to the core classes presented in the player's handbook. Uh, on average, you get an additional two to five choices per per class with Xanathars. Uh, so if you want to keep to the core materials, but just have a little bit something extra uh, in your in your pack, you got to go to Xanathars because there's some great stuff in there. Mordekind's Tome of Foes definitely has some other stuff, but that's definitely more for uh, the DM side of things. And I'll talk about um, some good resource books for uh, creating encounters and whatnot a little later on. But uh, beyond the the actual texts, you can use the uh, D&D Unearthed Arcana. This is where Wizards of the Coast will post their untested designs. Um, basically, it's kind of like an open beta for D&D resources. Uh, it's got some extra classes in there, like uh, the Mentalist, I believe, is one of them, and the Artificer is another one. Um, you can use those. And it has some untested... Uh, character class paths for alternate cl for like classes found in the player's, player's handbook like the phoenix fire sorcerer which is a class path that i took on my last um character that i played uh it basically means that like i wanted to be a pyromancer or like a pyromaniac but I didn't want it to be uh, like an obsession with fire to just watch things burn and the phoenix fire sorcerer it's a religious devotion to fire you absentmindedly light things aflame because like the phoenix is the god you worship and it gave you the power of flame um and it's it's a it's a wonderful narrative driven idea to just put the pyromaniac uh thing on its head and just give it a good old spin you know evocation wizards are always like destroying things but for me i wanted to destroy things for a purpose you know everything is better when it's on fire was uh was its ideas and it's not because you know they're obsessed with the flame it's because there's a religious devotion to it and the flame was equal to life in that character's head so those are some great some great resources for some well thought out fully developed class and race options now if you want to get a little bit wacky if you want something completely off the walls out of the blue something that never something, ah, something that nobody's ever seen before then you got to go to the D&D &D wiki where every half formed kind of off the top of their head idea has been scribbled feverishly down in an incomplete Wikipedia page for your base approval. It's got some crazy stuff on there. You could be a Kryptonian. You could be a Goliath Panda. You could be a Demigod. You could be a Minotaur. It's There's a lot of stuff in the D&D Wiki. Now, naturally, if you're running this game and you're letting your players have access to the D&D Wiki, you gotta be careful because it is ridiculously easy to create a broken character right out of the gate. Some of that stuff is so overpowered and so balls to the walls nuts that you gotta do your homework on the D&D Wiki. There are some really good class ideas on there. I, I'm not, you know, there's some really good class ideas on there. There's some great race options, you know? It's got good stuff on there. You just gotta be careful not to go completely overboard and let them be a, a Kryptonian Minotaur with a million hit points that cannot be killed. So, just be go in, 
cautiously. Go in cautiously. Now, you guys are making characters. Everybody's getting really excited. But you got to think about another aspect of character creation as the DM. And that is party balance. In any standard like fantasy party, or really in any game, uh, you'll find this a lot in World of Warcraft. You'll find this a lot in Overwatch. And it's important to have good party balance. In Pokemon, too, you want to have a good coverage of types. You want to have different different Pokemon be able to do different things in order for you to have the greatest variety in your toolbox. And that is true for a D&D party. You do, you do not want all your guys to be one thing. You know, you don't want everybody to be ranged casters, okay? You can have a party of ranged casters, but you got to plan around that in terms of a DM point of view. And if you do have a party of, like, all distance characters, once the enemy gets up in melee range, they're basically boned. So you got to have a good variety. The classic roles usually have your DPS classes, which could include a melee DPS and a ranged DPS. You got your healer, which is super important, usually taken up by the cleric or the paladin. Um, you got that role. You got the tank, which is usually a barbarian or a fighter. Um, I've seen I've seen cleric tanks. I've seen paladin tanks. Um, it's important to have the tank. Somebody to kind of take the attention from the enemies and take all the hits while everybody else does most of the damage. And then you have your alternate classes for some fluff stuff. Generally support classes like a rogue or um, or a bard are great support classes that can do a lot of different things. But a rogue can also be great DPS because rogues usually hit incredibly hard for the first hit and then they do alright for the second one. It's because all the sneak attack damage happens on the first hit and after like level 10 or something it's like 66 sneak attack damage which is amazingly great for, for just that one hit assassin strike, you know. So you got to think about that. So uh, let's say you got a party of five. Um, in, my, in my view, one of the ideal... Uh, builds for that would be let's say we got a barbarian tank uh, we've got the cleric so that's two right there um, I'm a big fan of uh, rangers I think rangers are a lot of fun um, there's a lot of great alternate ranger paths in uh, Xanathar's guide although bang for my buck I want a pet so I go with the pet I know the pet is useless but I don't make my D&D characters based on competency for the actual game, I make my D&D characters based on the narrative story of the character. So I will pick whichever uh, class path is the most narratively interesting for the character, not what is best for the party or the story. So that's usually how I go about it. It's a, it's a different mindset, I know. But there's a lot of min-maxers out there. But for me, it's all about it's all about the narrative. So I would get the pet. So we got your barbarian tank, you got your cleric. You got your uh, you got your ranger. After that, it's you know it's pretty free form. You could get a monk and a bard. That's a pretty good party. You could get a you could get a fighter and um, a druid. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those as well. Um, you also want to think about if you know some D and D stuff. Uh, like you're you're pretty familiar with the game, and you're maybe you're making like a higher level party. Maybe instead of starting levels one or two or three, you're starting at like five or ten. You want to think about uh, potential things that higher level characters have that can aid the party. For example, druids have the ability to travel in between plants. I believe it's called tree stride or plant plant walk. or It's one of those spells. But basically, you can teleport from one tree to another tree that you've seen in the past. That's an amazingly, amazingly useful spell for higher level parties that need to get to places quickly that are far apart. 
So that's that's very good. Um, so you can think about it in that way as well. But again, I and me and me and my experience would highly encourage you, the fledgling DM, to think about the narrative story over game mechanics. The game mechanics are there to drive your story. That's what they're there for. The story is not the game. The game is the venue for your story. So you want to, you know, I let your players pick what they want to play because they're not going to have a good time if you force them to be things. But keep in mind that party balance is important, but it's not make or break the whole game. Let people be what they want to be and then formulate your strategy as the DM around the composition of their chosen party. There's an ideal for sure. There is a perfect party of composition of types so they have coverage across all fields. But a good party doesn't necessarily need that. You can you can change the story to fit what they have at their disposal. And always remember that certain classes, while not being dedicated to one path or another, are certainly capable of fulfilling those roles in addition to what you may consider to be their primary objective. For example, we have a ranger in my party right now who also doubles as a healer. In fact, I believe everybody in that party has healing spells, which is phenomenal. You you want that stuff spread out because say you have your perfect party, you got your cleric, they're the one healer, cleric goes down, y'all are boned. Y'all are straight bones, your cleric's dead, you got nothing. So. It's important to have that stuff a little bit more spread out. And plus your players will figure that out on their own to a certain extent. Like, you're there to lead the story, but never forget that your players are going to take control nine times out of ten than you will. It doesn't It doesn't matter what you do. I'm, in fact, in this past week, I had my, my first D&D session with my new party. And I've never had a party where I've dangled so many story threads before them for them to go, nah, and then leave. And for me to like just reel my story threads back and be like, okay, they're going in a different direction. That's fine. Um, completely threw me off. Party's going to do what the party's going to do. The DM is basically there just to create an adventure that they want. You know, like I was teasing for weeks leading up to it that they were going to fight rats in the basement. And uh, we'll talk about uh, the, like the first encounter and how to how to start a D&D uh, game, like uh, how to ease them into it. Uh, later on, but just for the sake of the story, they were going to go fight rats in the basement, which is a pretty classic D&D beginning. And right when I was going to start talking about the basement rats, the looks on their faces, they they were not into it. I could I just like looked around at everybody, and they were just like, oh god, he's actually going to make us fight rats in the basement. And I was like, no, nope, we're going to do something else. And um, the, the first encounter that I devised instead... Uh, I think is probably one of the best first encounters I've ever done. Let me set the scene. I'm gonna tell you the story, uh, and then we will, uh, and then we'll wrap up the D and D segment this week. So I'm gonna tell you the story. All right. They they washed ashore into a beach elven town known as Driftwood, uh, and this is all of my own creation. And they eventually uh, went wandered into town. Uh, beach elves of Driftwood were very known for their local crop. Uh, which happened to be a, a weed-like substance. Uh, basically, they grew seaweed. Um, and yeah, the the pun was not intentional at the time, but my God, is it delicious. And they had um, basically these ropes of seaweed 
growing in the in the bay right outside town like you would like oysters um it was like just a string of wheat and they were pulling up these ropes that were that were like cut off halfway down they, they like, were missing huge chunks of their of their crop and so the party was sent into the water with um some arcanic rebreathers so they could breathe underwater um to try and figure out what was going on so the party starts swimming down and um, about 100 feet out from shore and about 60 feet down, they find like this cluster of the uh, the seaweed uh, farm ropes that are, it's just been consumed within like a 20 foot spherical radius underwater, perfectly cons consumed. There weren't any ropes, there wasn't any product. And in the middle of this uh, empty sphere was uh, this like a depression in the water where there's this strange distortion effect occurring and the distortion effect started to move and spin very rapidly and that's when we rolled initiative and the the creature was a glass gator which came from the tome of beasts from uh from cobalt press um it's an alternate fifth edition monster manual which is fantastic it's got like 450 new monsters that you can use in dnd it's wonderful um and it's this giant insect-like see-through alligator with no eyes with these weird kind of um centipede like claw legs instead of alligator legs it was it's a wonderful fight and having your first fight underwater and then the alligator kicked up some silt and they couldn't see it and they almost died oh it was, it was an amazing uh intro battle at least in my opinion i've had um that's probably one of the best intro battles i've i've ever run from a from a dming point of view it was creative it was something i've never seen before and they handled it wonderfully i'm so proud of them so it's uh it's you know it's what the party wants to do they will drive your story they will make their characters it's important for you as the dm to let them have the freedom to be what they want to be that's that's probably the most important so as a dm it's important for you to understand everything about whatever they're trying to do read up on their chosen character designs perhaps they come to you with an idea for a character but they don't know what class would be the best to achieve these goals as the dm it's your job to have the resources at your disposal and to have the knowledge in your brain fruits to be able to help them out and figure out the correct class path for their chosen narrative design that's your job so it's important to read up get that player's handbook they don't have to memorize it but have a gr pretty good idea where to find things like you'll need to know what page the weapons table is on you'll need to know what page the, the armor table's on you'll need to know where the spells are located you'll need to know what the backgrounds are you'll need to know what alignment is all of these all these fun details and uh, we'll get more in depth uh later on on a lot of these subjects because when it comes to D&D there is almost an infinite amount of things that we need to talk about in order to in order to run a game in order to enjoy the best gaming experience i've ever done in my in my 20 plus years of life on this earth it's an amazing game i love it to pieces but uh, i think that'll do it for this week in terms of character creation uh, if you have any more questions or if you have a topic related to DD that you would like me to go more in depth on please feel free to reach out at goimcast at gmail.com um, I would love to talk about other RPG systems. I'm just super familiar with D&D 5th Ed. Um, I know a little bit about The Edge of the Empire. Uh, I played that once uh, before, but not enough to be an authority on it uh, when it comes to tabletop RPGing. This is this is my bread and butter. D&D 5th Ed uh, is, is, my, is my home base. 
So that's what I got. But you know what? If you want to learn more about other types of RPG systems, I will be more than happy to do the homework and crack down and see what else is out there because the world of tabletop role-playing games is enormous and growing all the time. And there's a lot of great stuff that I would love to learn more about. But yeah, if you have any more questions, comments, topics you want me to cover, please reach out. Goingupcast to gmail.com. I would love to talk more about this stuff, especially talk about the stuff that you want to learn. And if you want me to share stories from D&D, oh boy, I got, I got a backlog of D&D stories to share. Maybe, maybe someday I will. But let's move on to the next thing. And finally this week, I want to tell you all about a television show that I just finished that I would highly recommend if you are a fan of fantasy, of incredible writing, of really good animation, of really good storytelling, or as one random person on the internet put it, the best animated show since Avatar The Last Airbender, which is high praise. I'm not sure it's that good. But it's pretty good. And that would be Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters, which you can now find on Netflix. All three seasons are there. It tells the story of Jim Lake Jr., who is your run-of-the-mill high school sophomore student who falls into some wacky misadventures with these beings that live under our feet called Trolls. And it has some pretty remarkable voice acting talent. You've got um, Fred Tatishor, who is uh, renowned in the voice acting industry. He does, like, The Hulk. He is in Overwatch. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's all over the place. He's in there as a character named Arg. You've got Kelsey Grammer, who has a wonderful, wonderful speaking voice. And, of course, the late, great Anton Yelkin, uh, who was the lead actor before he sadly passed away in 2016. Um, despite that, he is the voice actor for Jim Lake Jr. for seasons one and two, and for a decent part of season three before um, they uh, they got a new actor to uh, to finish up season three. Um, and I think the new actor does a remarkable job. His name's escaping me right now, but it's, it is still an excellent... Uh, excellent job done for the character Jim Lake Jr. The uh, show goes through a bit of a sophomore slump I will admit. Uh, season 2 is by far the weakest season um, of the show but season 1 is a whopping 26 episodes long. I believe it's basically 2 seasons because the uh, seasons 2 and 3 are only 13 episodes. So it's almost a 14 or a 4 season long show. But seasons one and three are incredibly strong. And I think season one actually benefits from being so long because there is a lot of world building and lore that needs to be developed in the show in order for you to really get into it. And it does that very well in the first season. Um, it is, it's, I wouldn't call it short, like I said. It's um, it's three seasons and season one is really lengthy, but it is, it uses its time well except for season two there are definitely some cliche filler episodes in season two that you can absolutely just skip past um one of them deals with uh, a barbecue and uh, multiple clones of uh jim showing up as different uh, motions skip that uh, another one really focuses on the peripheral side characters you can skip that as well uh those kinds of episodes you can just skip around and past um, but uh, the majority of the sporting cast is excellent. There's a lot of great character arcs, um, villains becoming friends, that sort of thing. Some good, solid redemption arcs. 
Um, very good villains throughout the whole show. Uh, a lot of moral ambiguity, which is one of my all-time favorite things in any television show. Or really in anything. If you can see uh, the villain's point of view and uh, empathize with what the villain is doing, then you've got a good villain there. Like with Infinity War and Thanos, I'm sitting there going like, you know, Thanos has got some points. I don't think mass random genocide is the way to go about it, but Thanos has a couple of good points. Um, so, yeah, the moral ambiguity is the is the hallmark of a great villain. If, it, if he's just up and down, chaotic evil, if done right, can still be pretty can still be pretty entertaining. But for for my for bang for my buck, if you want your uh, villain to go beyond villainy and become a relatable character with some human elements to them you got to give them moral ambiguity you got to give them a cause that you can see worth fighting for you know that kind of thing it's there's a bit of that in troll hunter so you can definitely see some redemption some moral ambiguity you get it you get why they're doing what they're doing you might not agree with it but you understand it that kind of that kind of logic and what's great about um uh, Troll Hunters is that apparently it is the first of three shows under this uh, Netflix Guillermo del Toro banner called Tales from Arcadia, which is the town in which Troll Hunters takes place. The next show in this trilogy of shows is called Three Below. It centers on uh, two alien uh, royalty or two members of alien royalty, uh, what appears to be a brother and sister pair based on the backdoor pilot that occurs in the later half of season three of Troll Hunters. Uh, and they appear to have their spaceship broken and are trying to repair it to return to their home world uh, is, the, is the short blurb that we have right now. But that comes out later this year. And the third show in this um, kind of series arc, Tales of Arcadia, is called Wizards. And it seems to be kind of a union of the three shows um which to me is curious because the the union of the three shows will occur in the first season of the third show so it simultaneously has to develop itself as a show and bring back the the characters from troll hunters and the characters from three below into this kind of avengers style smash up where they all need to band together to fend off something that's going to threaten the very fate of the universe at least that's what we know but that show doesn't land until 2019 I'm a little confused on how these shows are going to occur. Um, Troll Hunters, uh, the three seasons were stretched over two years um, before any of the other stuff dropped. And it seems like Three Blow is only going to be able to get a season out before Wizards lands. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a really long season and they're going to drop like the whole show at once. Um, or if there's going to be a, like a, a Jessica Jones Marvel Netflix thing going on where like season one lands. And then there's the big meet them, smash them up, and then season two lands afterwards. Like, I'm not sure how the canon's going to work. I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, but, it, like, just the dates don't quite add up to me. Like, you can only get a season out, um, logically. Although, I think um, Voltron Legendary Defender says uh, dropped more than one season in a year period. Um, I think that shows up to, like, season six or something like that. They're just cranking them out. Um... And when I first watched that show, that show was good. Um, I haven't seen episodes recently, but I'm I'm sure it's fine. Anyway, Troll Hunters would highly recommend. I know some of you out there might be going, "Oh, it's a kids show." Well, don't have that attitude ever. Some of this, some of the uh, modern day kids animation is incredible. You gotta watch it. Like Avatar: The Last Airbender is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. It's incredible. I fucking love it. You gotta watch it. So Troll Hunters is 
is definitely it's jumped up the list. It's amongst my favorite TV shows of of all time. Uh, easy, it is it is up there. It is very good. I can't wait to see it again. Um, but I'm excited to see where the story will continue in these next shows. Um, there's a lot of uh, teases and Easter eggs for the next couple of shows in Troll Hunters, so I look forward to seeing a lot of callbacks to Troll Hunters in the new shows, which again comes out sometime this year. My guess would be fall. That would follow um, their uh, current release pattern of uh, having this stuff come out uh, fall near winter would be my guess. Anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of the podcast. A lot shorter this week, um, which I think was, you know, it's probably good. You know, I don't want to drop just tons of stuff on you guys every week. It's important to keep it light and fresh. That way you got, you know, enough time to listen to it. It's like watching an episode of Troll Hunters without commercials for like six minutes. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, there you go. That'll do it for this week. If you have any stories to share, if you have any music to send in, requests for songs of the week, you got new TV shows on Netflix I need to watch because I need, I need something else. I need, I need a new show to watch. Um, send them, send them my way at goingupcast@gmail.com or using the contact page on goingupcast.com. I was Andrew Logan. Thank you all very much for listening. I would appreciate it if you share this with all your friends. Leave a, leave a comment on iTunes. A couple of people have already left comments on iTunes, giving me awesome ratings. That's fantastic. Those help me climb up the iTunes ranks. And hopefully get a couple more listeners up in the up in the mix. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Oh, and a quick tease for something that's coming out. Much like I did the promo video for uh, Sorcerer's Stone, I will be doing another video for um, Chamber of Secrets. And I actually found my tripod in the garage where I thought it would be. So now I can do different angles and stuff, and it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. Thank you all very much for listening. I'll see you all next week. Oh, and happy. America's birthday this Wednesday. Canada's birthday was a mere couple of days ago. And all your other all the other country birthdays are throughout the rest of the year. So you know for everybody, happy birthday. It's everybody's birthday. Hug your neighbor. I'll see y'all next week. Have a good one, guys.